Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the hockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on the founder of State and Liberty Clothing and Apparel Company, Lee Moffey. And this is an unbelievable episode. We talk a lot about hockey, talk a lot about leadership. And uh, Lee's an awesome dude. He comes from the Connecticut area. He played prep school at Avon Old Farms before going to the University of Michigan. Played a couple years of pro hockey before starting up State and Liberty. Uh, If you haven't, heard of state and liberty you're dead to me actually it's unbelievable if you haven't heard of it you got to go uh and check out all their clothes it's a phenomenal 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 company um huge in the hockey world especially uh 19 stores all over the US and uh it's just growing and growing and growing because uh, the clothing is so awesome but uh before we do get over to Lee and talk about some of that stuff let's bring on another awesome awesome dude in a one Jehu Jeffrey tatted up dude with no tooth Lavecchio What's going on today, dude? Um, soon to be State and Liberty model, if you guys listen <laughs> to the podcast. So, uh, not much, dude. You know what's really exciting? I finally got a Sparky out here the last two days. I got an electrician out here. My sauna is currently preheating as we speak. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to use it for the first time tonight? Tonight, first time. I'm going to strip down as soon as this podcast gets over and get in my sauna butt naked in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> After awesome, hearing man. you say that, I'm just like surprised that you're not already naked <laughs> as we're doing the podcast. Maybe if Steph wasn't here, you would be. Yeah, uh, you would be would doing be. it. Probably would be. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm super excited, man. I, you know, been researching for a long time about different saunas, different benefits, yada yada yada. Finally, said, you know what? You only live once. Pulled the trigger, and uh, really, really excited. What to, is the uh, benefits of a sauna? Well, uh, literally. Like I bought one for my dad too for his 70th birthday. We're in the process of of looking for one. He he just picked one out, so I'm gonna buy it probably this weekend for him. Um, it basically can it mimics like the effects of exercise. So for you to not have to do anything, you can sit in a sauna and like increased cardiovascular strength. Um, you know, helps with different fat stores, uh, obviously burns calories, um, aids in recovery can help with sleep. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why. Yeah. I'm, uh, if you do certain, um, protocols boost, I listened to podcasts last night, by Huberman labs, anybody who's into like getting more other body, look that podcast up Huberman labs. It is unbelievable. I watch them on YouTube like every day too. Um, Andrew Huberman, um, he was saying that there's this one protocol and it's really, really intense. You only do it once a week, but it's been proven to boost your testosterone 16 fold, like crazy. Yeah. You got to sit in the sauna. Like, I think it's like, ah, watch it last night, late, like 45 minutes, take 10 minutes off 45 minutes again. And then you take in a certain amount of hours off and then you do it again, 45, 10, 45. And you only do it once a week, but yeah, dude, it just, it roasts you, but it, it, it without having to like damage your muscles through working out, which working out boosts your testosterone as well. <laughs> What's up? That's why I do it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it uh, 
I didn't know if that was Steph that just snorted or you, but it's clearly you. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't think it was a snort. It was a, uh, <laughs> it was a snicker, if you will. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Ready? I think I found the thing in the back of the refrigerator. I mean, the back of the closet. <laughs> Great movie. Dude, um, you don't need to make the sound. You- <laughs> it does it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm stoked, man. Really, really excited to get the sauna going. I'm going to get an edge theory tub here too, uh, pretty soon. So I can do contrasts of sauna and cold tub. So really, really excited, man. If I could say it, anything, listen, anybody listening right now, if you haven't fast forward through this, like seriously, <laughs> take better care of yourself. Like if you're going to spend money, spend money on things that are going to elevate your mental and your physical and all of those things, because the confidence you get from that will make you more successful in everything you do. And also your output, your ability to have a higher output will allow you to do more and then you'll achieve more. Like there's no doubt about it. So just wanted to finish with that. My long-winded rant about how excited I am to get buck naked and get in my sauna. <laughs> New dude to boot it. You yeah, used exactly. to say that. <laughs> dude to boot it. Um, actually you mentioned the word confidence. I, I should say, dude, I don't know about you, but I got so many messages from people from our last podcast episode on confidence and, um, just really appreciate everybody that reached out. That's why we continue to do the podcast, man. Like we feel like we're making a difference and and that confidence is something for me that like, you know, we talk about it a lot from a sports and athletic sense, but at the end of the day, it's such a life skill. Um, and, and can help people in all walks of life. We've all been there where, when we're feeling at our worst, when we have very, very little confidence, we've all been there where, you know, we're at the the top of where we want to be and, and we're extremely, extremely confident. A lot of times we live in the middle of, of that. And so if there's any way that we can provide a little value into your life by talking about these kinds of things, you know, we, it's, it's why we do the podcast. It's our why, man. Like, and, and we just so appreciate everybody that's reached out to us. You know, Vex and I have been through the the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows of, of confidence and mental health and, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, if you haven't listened to that one yet, um, I, I would I would encourage you to do so. We strip it down and talk a lot about a lot of different things as it relates to confidence. And um, yeah, I just really, really appreciate everybody that reached out. That was the biggest thing I wanted to say. Yeah, me too, for sure. And you know, this is something that every single athlete in every single sport, they will hit at some point. They will lose their confidence 100%. It will happen to everyone. And so that's the biggest reason we want to do it. And, you know, when I do my calls, you know, people can sign up on my Instagram to have FaceTime calls with me. And I, the, the number one topic that we talk about when somebody is, you know, signing up for a call with me, it's, I lost my confidence. What are things I can do to get it back? Like tangible things. And we went over them, you know, in the podcast, we went over a whole bunch of stuff. So listen to that podcast or, you know, you can, you can hit me up on Instagram set up a call with me. It's something I'm very passionate about because, um, there were so many times in my career where I lost my confidence, like, you know, get, I was kind of a streaky player at times, um, with points and stuff. And I let that affect me in a negative way. And every year I learned better and better, maybe coping skills. I don't know if that's the word you want. That's probably not the right word. Like, like how to, how to get back into the flow state, how to get back to your confidence as fast as you can, because something you learn, the higher levels you go, like good players are going to have a bad game every now and then, but the really good players don't have bad games back to back. 
or they don't have bad periods back to back. They find a way to snap themselves out of it, get their confidence back and get going. So the sooner you can do that, the more efficient, the more effective you can do that. You're going to instantly be a better player. And that's like Tope said, confidence is so important for life. So it doesn't matter what job you have after hockey, you are going to need to be confident to be able to execute under pressure day after day after day. So it's very important to learn these skills when you're younger. For sure. And one of the things that I want to piggyback off what you were saying is, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about confidence when we don't have any. And very rarely do we talk about confidence when we are gaining it. And I think that that's a really important thing to talk about because, you know, don't wait for your lack of confidence to build your, you know, your arsenal of confidence up. You know, it's something that you can be working on every day, whether it's trying to master a skill, uh, whether, I mean, in in all walks of different types of life um, experiences, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis to earn your confidence and keep that level of confidence where it needs to be? Now, obviously there are some things that will happen out of your control that can very much um, alter the plus or minus of your confidence. A lot of times it's towards the minus because it's a, it's a lot harder to gain it than it is to lose it. It's very easy to lose it. And so I would just encourage everybody, you know, um, maybe if you haven't listened to the podcast or maybe we didn't talk about it the last time, but just like, it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to like, think about it when you have some and just, you, you just keep trying to gain it and keep trying to gain it and earn it, earn it, earn it every single day. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like we talk about confidence a lot and we get back to wanting to earn our confidence when we are lacking it. Dude. I mean, I, I'm sure I said it on the podcast. I mean, I tell everybody to, to make a, high, a highlight reel themselves or ask your coach or your dad or, you know, your agent to make a highlight reel from, you know, recent games or last season or whatever. And I watched that before every game and like in my head, I used to like not let anybody watch me, like see me watching it. Cause I didn't want them to be like, what's this guy doing? But like literally that helped even when I was confident, it, you, I, it probably helped me more when I was confident than when I was unconfident because it just like, it kept me in that flow state. Like, you know, you get a couple games in a row where you bury and you're getting points and you're on a roll. You're feeling great. You're playing your best. Like you don't want that role to end. You want to keep that role going. And so watching, like I loved watching the things I was doing well. Of course, I watched what I wasn't doing well, but I really, really liked watching the things I did well, because then I was just like, yes, that worked for me. I need to keep doing that. And like seeing yourself execute and do things well, and then get the results is reaffirming that what you're doing is the right thing. And like, so it's just this, like, it's a snowball of confidence going down the hill. So I tell all my guys, if you can get a a highlight reel, you know, goals, assists, hits, fights, whatever it is, whatever your game is, you know, stopping, you know, plays. If you're a defenseman, your goalie, big saves, like what a minute long. It's all it needs to be put a, put a dope song to it. That gets you jacked up. Watch it before every game. I guarantee you start playing better. I guarantee it. Yeah. And even now I, I still have like my highlight DVD from when I played in college one year and I'm popping in every now and again. And it just Should, makes you man. feel better, man. Right. Like it Hell makes yeah, you feel better, does. brings you back. It's uh, and now no computers or I don't have a DVD player. So it's a little bit tougher to find a place to actually put it in to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I totally, I, I totally agree. I think it's uh, it's huge. Even when you're older and retired, make you man. feel a little bit better. 
and be proud of what you've accomplished so far, whether you're still playing, you know, you're, you're trying to get to that next level or you're retired and done, man. So many people like are not proud of what they did. Like I played with guys who played like D3 uh, when we were younger, we played together and then they played D3 and I didn't introduce them to like, you know, teams or whatever and be like, you know, this is so-and-so he played D3. He's a great player. And like, they'd be mad about that. Why'd you say I played D3? I'm like, dude, barely anybody gets to that level. What do you mean? Like, be proud of that. Like uh, on on Instagram, sometimes people chirp me and, you know, oh, yeah, hockey DB'd you. You only played in the preseason NHL. And I'm like, dude, you know how freaking proud I am of that? Are you kidding me? Did you play in the preseason NHL? Did you sign? No, you didn't. I. You have no idea what I had to go through to put that jersey on to play in an NHL exhibition game. You have no idea. And you better believe I'm freaking proud of everything I accomplished. So do not be ashamed. Do not let anybody tell you you shouldn't be proud of things you've accomplished because they don't know what you had to do to get there. So like Tope said, like don't just wait till you're unconfident and you lose your confidence to like build it back up. Like constantly remind yourself of your wins, remind yourself of what you do. Well, watch yourself. If you have tape doing the things that you did succeeding and stuff, because like it is just reaffirming, you know, what you should believe about yourself. You've got to be your own biggest fan, man. You have to, I'm I'm a huge critic. I'm a proponent of that. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. I think we should end it there and we should, uh, I'm a huge fan of state and Liberty too. Let me tell you. And I, and I honestly mean that you guys will hear a little anecdote at the end of the, uh, the end of the episode about, you know, did I pull my tarp? Did I not pull my tarp? I don't know. You want to (laughs) hear stick around and you'll find out. Oh, you are such a tool. I mean, funny guy. I mean, uh what is over here watching my highlights <laughs> uh, you can't bother me you can't bring me down baby yeah so this was an awesome conversation with lee moffy and uh he's the founder of state liberty like we talked about uh, unbelievable clothing company and uh go to stateliberty.com to check out what they have to offer um and this is just a great conversation on leadership uh unbelievable conversation with a great hockey guy that used a lot of what he learned in the hockey world to, to build a really really successful business and um so before we do get over to him. We have some people to thank. Want to thank Gelsticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com, our title sponsor. Go to Gelsticks.com, use the coupon code Think Tank, and get a discount on your weighted training sticks, Jeffrey. Also want to thank Train Heroic. That's where I the program, the application that I use with all of my clients in person to track all of their weights and everything. And then also all of my clients online, the thousands of them that I've worked with in the last couple of years. Uh, really excited for all the teams I'm working with this year. I got a, I got a gold medalist I'm working with online right now, which is pretty cool. Um, Olympic gold medalist, not a big deal. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in any of my programs or you're somebody who just wants to get in shape, you're a dad or a coach or a mom, and you just want to get in shape, you want to be a good example for your kids, showing them what it means to live a healthy, active lifestyle, you can join my Train With Me team. They're my own personal workouts. It's literally $35 a month. It will be You will have fun. Our team is badass. I looked today, uh, we were up to like 147 or 148 doing it with me today. Um, really fun phase right now. So you can join my train me team. All that stuff's linked in my bio on my Instagram. So thank you to train heroic. Also want to thank cure nutrition CBD, uh, company that I'm with. I've been using them for months. Um, I take CBD multiple times per day. Personally, I have quite a few people that listen to the show that are trying it and buying it. 
DMing me, asking me, you know, what are my favorite products and this and that. If you want to learn more about CBD, how it can help, why it helps, the science behind why it helps, dealing with uh, homeostatic set points and stuff like that, if you don't understand it, seriously, reach out, ask questions. And also, you guys have questions about anything ever. Like, I literally, it takes me longer to answer my DMs now because I do get a lot every day, but I really do try to answer as many as I can, if not all of them. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions. Thank you to Cured Nutrition for keeping my brain firing. There we go. And thank you to IceHockeySystems.com, the best site for all your coaching education needs and thousands of drills, a drill drawing tool. We have partnered with them to do an associations platform where you can get this for every single one of your coaches in your organization. Again, thousands of drills, all these whiteboard explanations from really, really, really accomplished hockey people. Uh, Also, if you do get the associations tab, then you get access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So it's not just for the coaches and the kids, it's for the parents too. Let us and let icehockeysystems.com help you to enjoy your kids' youth hockey experience. And so with that, want to thank everybody who continues to listen to our podcast. We love you guys. You guys are going to love this episode with an awesome, awesome guy. So without further ado, here we go with the founder of State and Liberty, Lee Moffey. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He is just a couple miles down the road in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Lee Moffey. Lee, how's it going, man? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're pumped to have you and uh good Michigan alum we got on the podcast. I think you're the first Michigan alum Michigan alum since I took the job. Vex, is that is my already showing right? his already showing his bias, fans. Already showing <laughs> his bias. And we play Western Michigan twice next weekend, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, are you guys baby. at Western or are you at Yoast? Home and home, actually. So Friday we're at Yoast oh, and then great. uh Yes, Saturday in the in the zoo. It's gonna that's gonna be awesome. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be sick. <laughs> looking forward to it looking forward to it. well lee let's take it way back man let's introduce you to our uh, our podcast listeners here and you grew up out in connecticut uh so what was it that got you falling in love with the game i have to imagine at that point when you were really really young the rangers were kind of making their runs and winning stanley cups and stuff but uh what made you fall in love with the game yeah it's funny i mean I was, i'm actually to this day i was never a huge like nhl fan i grew up like 90 miles from Boston and 90 miles from New York, kind of smack dab in the center there. But uh, it's interesting, you know, my, my brothers played growing up and uh, it's kind of like these like little moments that I feel like you wanted to play for, you know, they went to Avon Old Farms, which I eventually went to. And, you know, I remember seeing games there as like an eight-year-old and like seeing, you know, 400 kids going screaming, going nuts at these games, unbelievable environment. Um, and just, you know, thinking I, I want to play here one day. And then from there, you know, going to Yale games when you're younger and then uh, not to, you know, lean too hard into Topher, but I went to a, a Cornell BU game when I was like 11 years old at Lina. And I was just like, holy, like the, you know, goalie steps on the ice. He's getting pelted with, uh, <laughs> with tennis balls. And he's like, geez, I'd like to play at this level one day. And I uh, kind of kept going from there. I got, I got to ask you because people keep asking me this question, Yoast or, or Lina, what do you think? I was so young and it was my first time kind of seeing something like that. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to get killed here, but I think, I think the Cornell environment was just unbelievable. And, you know, I, I was talking to you a couple of days ago, I think it's in Western actually, like they, they still have that old school barn, which I feel like is just like a dime a dozen these days. And, and Yo still has a cool historical feel to it, but 
you know, it's just not the same place it was when, when I was playing, when, you know, there was no billboard or no, uh, you know, Megatron in the middle, whatever the hell you call it. The scoreboard. Uh, yeah. It's just gotten, yeah. It's just gotten a little, a little too commercial in there, but <laughs> still obviously an amazing place to, to see a college hockey team. Yeah, unreal, man. I love it. Well, uh, so you grew up in Connecticut and uh, Connecticut has become a, a much bigger hockey market now. I feel like maybe when you were growing up, it was uh, a little bit less mainstream. Like was, was hockey big with your friends and stuff or, or was it something that just kind of like your family did and then you made hockey friends around? What was kind of the vibe of, of the Connecticut hockey scene at the time? Yeah, it was interesting. It was, it was kind of split up and, you know, it's important to me that everyone knows I'm, I'm a New Haven guy from Connecticut. I'm not a Fairfield County Greenwich guy, uh, <laughs> but you know, the state was, the state was definitely hey, pretty Peter. split up in that way. That's right. I was, uh, you know, the state was pretty split up that way. And um, I don't know if you guys know the name, but my buddy, Pat Mullane, who went on to be the captain at BC, uh, we're from the same hometown, grew up about a mile away from each other. And we started playing together, you know, four years old and uh, we became best buddies and, you know, I owe a lot of my career and where I got to in my career because of him and, and how hard we pushed each other, um, you know, early lifts, skating twice a day, kind of all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a, between 88s and, and 90s and 91s in Connecticut, there was some really great talent. If you kind of combine the, the New Haven guys and the Fairfield County guys, and, you know, it must've been over 25 division one players um, that I kind of grew up around just between like those two areas. So it was definitely a good little mini hockey hotbed. That's awesome. There's nothing better than having like a great youth hockey hub to be a part of and, and just like yeah. knowing all the players playing with them and against them. And then just kind of like seeing where they go later on in their careers and everything. Cause everybody's got a different path and like the, some players that are the best at, at 13 years old, like aren't even in hockey at 18. And some of the guys it's who are like, okay, at 13 ended up being, uh, uh, like really, really good. And it's just, uh, it's funny how that goes, but it's really cool to have that kind of community when it comes to hockey. No, absolutely. We, we were lucky to have a really competitive group and, you know, whether we were, we were going down there, they were coming up to us. It was, uh, it was competitive and we were always looking to get together as much as we could. Yeah, that's unreal, man. Well, let's let's take it to prep school because I'm vexed. I don't know if we've actually ever really talked about New England prep school. I know we've had a couple, we had somebody from Mount on. Charles on here and stuff like that. But um, you know, the, the typical New England prep school um, is a great experience for a lot of people. You see, you mentioned you went to Avon, which is one of the top New England prep schools uh, out there ever, and uh, they've had so much success for such a long time. Uh, talk a little bit about why you ended up going to prep school and what your experience was like there uh, going up in connecticut it's like all you it's all you know and like that's that's the path um it's like the blueprints are the blueprints already kind of laid out for you you go you repeat your freshman year of high school and you come in as like a 14 15 year old and um you kind of go that path my, my brothers went to avon so i was pretty familiar with the school and uh kind of the hockey history there and everything so i always wanted to to go there and you kind of hit it on the head. It, it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, it was 400 boys. Uh, it was an extremely competitive environment. Um, it was, you know, it has the reputation of being a meat stick school and like it absolutely <laughs> lived up to it. Just like a ton of bullying, <laughs> like stuff that I, I'm, I'm assuming is like not going on anymore, but uh, it was, it was unbelievable. And, um, you know, we, we won the new England championship a couple of times. I think we were a high school team that had like 12 division one players on it. Um, so it was like, just kind of ridiculous. And, you know, I, our power play one year is like me, Danny new captain of Providence, Cam Atkinson, Tommy Atkinson and Nick Benino. 
and Pat Mullane. And it's like, that's our, that's, that's our power bad. play uh, yeah. as, as like uh, 16 year olds in high school. And like, we, we were just dominant. We were cocky. Uh, it was just a blast. And uh, you know, one of those days you're there, it's 500 guys and you, you can't wait. You think you're in prison. And then you look back on those days and you're like, geez, I really wish I enjoyed those times because you're not going to get that back kind of living with your buddies in these like little jail cells um, and just having a blast, you know, with, with your best friends. And, and those guys are still some of my closest buddies to, to this day. We just, we had a great time. The old jail cells. So I got two questions about that one. Why, why do they, what's with the repeating the freshman year thing? And then two, I already forgot. So let's just go with one right now. <laughs> yeah, one solid. Uh, no, I don't know. It was, it was just the thing you want to like come in a little bit older, um, and that was the thing, like there was 19 year olds playing high school hockey and it was just like, there were some men out there. Um, and I, I don't really know, but it was a thing. It wasn't ever even really a choice. It was like, you're going to go to a public high school in your local town. You're going to play like midgets or whatever it is. Um, and then you're going to go to Avon. You're going to repeat your freshman year. Uh, and it was just, that's just, nobody was. was like, um, excuse me. I got straight A's. I got to repeat it. Like, it's just, that's well, that, just what that you was do? always tough when you were younger, when you introduced that you're like, yeah, I know I'm a freshman. Avon. Like, you were a freshman last year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking dumb. So no, uh, no, it was, it was strictly sports and you know, they do like post-grad years there as well. So it's almost like kind of like getting your post-grad year out of the way, um, was the way that they kind of looked at it. But yeah, it was, it was tough getting introduced to people as a kid who had to stay back. But I wasn't in it alone, though, so it was good. Yeah, so you got the boys with you. And then you tell them your power play percentage, and they're like, oh, what's yeah. up, dude? <laughs> um, I know I know what my question was going to be. Uh, I was going to say, you, you you made a joke there, and you were like, there's a lot of bullying going on. And then you said you loved it. I think they were right after each other. There's a lot of bullying going on there. I loved it. Like, what, what did you mean by that? Because like, I, I think I know what you meant, but I want to hear it in your words. Yeah, I mean, want to be want to be careful, but I just think that, you know, it was a, it was a tough place as a young kid to like go to school. Um, but I mean, it just 100% gave you a thicker skin and it toughened you up. Uh, right. And I think that that's, you know, this day and age, you know, I think that that that's missing. And, um, you know, I think there's some stuff that you probably would be good. That's not going on anymore. But I do think that, you know, getting brought down to reality and being a 14 year old kid that, you know, thinking that they're the sickest hockey player at the school and whatever it be and getting humbled pretty quick. I think that's good for you. And just kind of sets you up to face some more adversity down the line, because if you can't get through that, then, you know, you're, you're in tough shape, you know, the following years and decades to come. I don't know. That's, that's probably a, uh, not a, no, that's no, no, no. That's, I think it's important. No, dude, we totally love that. We love, holding people accountable and we, you know, we love all those things. I, I, I just knew what you meant. And I know that people get triggered as the word yeah. used with the, like the word bullying and just like, just like it being like, you know, like you got to earn your stuff here. Just like, you know, we're meant yeah. to in hockey and life and in this country and everybody just wants everything served to them now and nobody yeah. wants to go out and work for it. So like, I, I love that you said that. And it's the little silly stuff too. Like just, you know, being terrified to go in the locker room after getting a haircut. Like it, it's just like the fun <laughs> stuff that like, just like, you know, I, I think it's just, it's just good for you and toughens you up and I don't, it's not malicious in any ways. It's just, it's just growing up part of it. <laughs> that is true. That is funny. Like I even still get that, you get a, you get a haircut. It's like, uh Oh, <laughs> I, I love that. What happened? Our, our office has that a little bit too is, you know, the class, Hey, who, who did that to you? Who did it? I'm going to get them. And it's like, we, we get that going in the office a little bit and guys are like, what do you mean, man? What do you, who did what? But no, it's, it's all fun and it's it's good. 
Jordan Bombay, nice haircut. Did it come with a yacht? (laughs) (laughs) I actually just, uh, I I just watched D2 for the first time in a long time. I wanted to get my girls into it and I totally forget that. So my kids are small, five, three, and one. And so the five and the three-year-old are watching it. And in the first scene of D2, Gordon Bombay gets like absolutely murdered on the ice and his career is ended. And I'm like wanting to get my kids to like really like hockey. <laughs> first thing they see, boom, Disney, Disney uh, five-minute major. And uh, he had a uh, shot. He went from not playing hockey, being a lawyer, didn't play hockey for 20 years to in the AHL, man. What are you talking about? Totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal. Uh, okay. So Lee, so you go to Avon and then you end up at the university of Michigan. Um, what was that like? What was your recruiting process like getting to Michigan and and how did that all kind of unfold for you? Yeah, I, uh, I, I had like a family advisor, I guess what it was called back then, or I don't know if it still is, um, that had a, a camp out in Ann Arbor when I was like 14 years old. And, uh, I think they still do like the Michigan skates in the summer and, and I was invited out there and um, you know, I think the coaches just kind of like saw me and, and introduced themselves after that camp when I was 14 years old. And then from there, it was always kind of on the radar. And obviously um, it's actually funny. Like when I was younger and used to go to that camp, I used to actually like, you know, go out with NAR and Kevin Porter and all these kind of like Michigan legends. And uh, you know, if you like, back in the day, go out with those guys in Ann Arbor, you're, it's kind of hard to be like, I don't want to go to Michigan. Uh, so we, you know, we had a great time together and it was just like, you know, this is just the epitome of, of college hockey and a college experience. Um, I do remember, you know, I think I committed as, as a 16 year old, I forget of my junior year. I do remember like feeling like I was getting past, which is like kind of a crazy thing when you're 16 years old, like there's still so much growth and development to be had. Um, and I felt like, you know, I mentioned all those like guys that I played with in high school, like all those guys were committed and I like kind of couldn't get that like first offer to come in. Um, and then eventually like one came in and then they all kind of flew in. And, um, but I do remember, you know, being younger, being like, geez, like, is this ever going to happen for me? Um, which I thought just, you know, is an interesting thing, especially as a young kid when there's just still so much time and development to be had. Well, let's dive into that a little bit because Vex and I spend a lot of time, or I used to anyway, with with youth hockey players. And that's like a very real thing nowadays, especially with social media and how ever present it is when people commit. And like, honestly, I think kids commit just to throw it up on Instagram now. Like they don't even love this. kind of want to do it and get it done and feel cool for a day. (laughs) That's kind of a weird way of saying it, but it's just, it's, it's not as much of a, um, educated decision, I guess you can say now a lot of the yeah. time. Um, but a lot of kids, you know, they play the, um, the comparison game where, you know, you're, you have this, um, thought of your talents and where you're at in the hockey world. And you might see some other people who you might think you're better than that are getting some of the accolades that you feel like you might deserve and things like that. And I think that's a very, very Vex, would you agree? That's a very real thing in youth hockey right now. Well, I think it's just, we didn't have obviously the, the internet the same way it was when Tolf and I played and, and social media, obviously, and kids like, they just don't realize that for some reason, even though no matter how much their coaches tell them that it's like, dude, it takes some people four years of juniors. It takes some people five. It takes some people three, it takes some people two, it takes some people one, you know, how much, it, how many years it's going to take you. We don't know. But if you want to, like, you want to get there, like 
just live in the moment. Don't look around. That's like the hardest thing, man. I remember going through it without social media, without Facebook, without Instagram, without Twitter, without any websites where it was being posted nonstop left and right. You kind of hear through the grapevine. And I remember that being hard and me measuring myself against every player I heard of that was getting a scholarship for the first two years I played juniors. It's like, dude, like what, when is this going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess Lee, like having kind of gone through that, like, what kind of advice would you give to the 15, 16, 17, 18 year old that feels like they are right there and feels like they have an opportunity. It just hasn't come yet. Um, what would you say to, um, a a kid like that in that stage? Yeah. I mean, you guys kind of hit it, but you just, you keep going, put your head down, keep working hard, um, keep doing the right things and and it's going to come. Uh, there's like that, shoe dog quote that I like with uh, Phil Knight, the guy who started Nike is like, everyone thinks that competition is like such a, a good thing and important thing, but it's like, no one's ever won a race, you know, looking back at the competition looking around them, like you, you win the sprint and you win the race by looking straight ahead and going forward. Um, and I've always, I've always enjoyed that. And, you know, the thing I would say too, it doesn't stop as a 16, 17, 18 year old hockey player. Like to this day, I'm looking around, looking at companies that are in the same areas us being like, Oh, I wonder what they're doing in revenue. I wonder, you know, how they're doing. And, uh, this doesn't stop, but it, it's, it's not healthy for you. It doesn't help. Um, I think it's good to know what's going on in your surroundings and, and to look at what other companies are doing, what other players are doing, but ultimately, you know, it comes down to you and putting the work in, um, and just being distracted by other things that aren't yourself is certainly not going to help you accomplish anything that you want to get. For sure. For sure. Actually, it's funny. I, I did a little little team building with the boys here today. And one of the stories that we talk about, is, which kind of like relates to social media, is like I have three daughters, five, three, and one. And to get my daughters to take a nice picture, it usually takes about two minutes <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you got the five year olds pulling the three year olds' hair, the three year olds looking over here, the one year olds crying, whatever. Like it's just an absolute gong show, right? And then at a minute 59 of the two minutes, for some reason, all three of them look at the phone and smile (laughs) and you snap the picture. All right. So what goes up on social media? Yep. The one second. And that's not, that's just not reality. The reality is life is difficult. The reality is life is messy and it's crazy and all that kind of stuff. But we only put stuff up and things are only written in like a context of like, I want you to think that this is what you think about my life. (laughs) And, um, and that comparison, it just, it really, really, really is a, especially with social media. Like, I think God, I, we didn't grow up in the social media age. Um, but it it really like with, with what you're talking about and the compare, like the only thing that you should compare is yourself from yesterday to today. Like was, was today a little bit better than what I was doing yesterday. And, uh, but, but it is like, we, we have this idea that we have to judge ourselves based on somebody else's success or somebody else's failures rather than judging ourselves based on the things that we can control our effort, our attitude, like the way we treat people and stuff. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a lesson that like kids have to learn early because it's, it's not the way that the world doesn't teach them, you know, (laughs) I think that's, that's so awesome. What you said, Lee, like, when hockey stops, that's not over. That's that's gonna no. still keep going yeah. in yeah. in business, in relationships, in life, in all these things. There's gonna be hard times, and probably the most important skill that sports will teach youth is resiliency. 
you know, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that's gotta be one of, when you fall, are you able to pick yourself back up? Do you know kind of like some steps of how to do that? Have people helped you along those lines? And if you just quit because, you know, you're not getting attention yet, like, man, you, you, that's going to be hard. You're going to do that your whole life. You know, and I think that's parents and, and coaches and mentors and all these people need to help guys realize that that's something I tell my guys in my gym all the time when they're younger. I'm like, boys, like juniors, once you hit juniors, it's real because like it's a business in juniors, not for you, the kid, you're not making money, but everyone else, there's money, coaches, lives are on the line. Like, like it is life or death business for those teams. So like, you need to understand that going in, you might get cut. You might not play. You might get healthy scratch. What are you going to do when those times come? And that those yeah. are life lessons for, you know, forever. No, absolutely. There's a uh, Joe Rogan or somebody, you know, this like, why not me? Or, you know, these, I can't catch a break. You know, that's just, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for you. It's not good for the people around you. Um, and yeah, like I said, there's no coaches that are making up their mind. Like, I don't, I, I don't like this kid for some reason. I'm just not going to play him. Like there's something going on. You got to <laughs> figure out what it is and get it fixed. That's so true. And I had that, I, I had that attitude, you know, at, growing up a little bit too it's like um maybe the coach just doesn't like me and it's like no you're doing something wrong okay uh, let's and, let's talk about that because that's one that oh, i hear your your octave your octave and your voice just went up a little you bit fired up something. I, I heard some <laughs> i had some guys in the gym the other day saying something about that and and i was just you know and obviously i had to sit them down and say whoa, whoa, whoa. like it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, we're talking about hockey and a coach business, you know, you're a business owner and you've got a customer like, like there's the same kind of thing there. It's like, man, stop pointing fingers. What are you doing? Is there, are you doing everything right? Are you doing everything you can? Are you on time? Are you, are you doing all these things? Or do you think the coach just hates you for no reason? Like you, 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 something, there's some kind of miscommunication there, or there's something going on. You're not performing to what they thought you were going to how, like in your career, you know, you said you kind of ran into that. And then now you as a business owner, like, how does that, how, how did you get around that stuff? How did you get your mind around that concept that, Hey, maybe it's a little so bit of me. I, I don't think, unfortunately, I, I didn't get my head around it when I was playing. I don't think, I think the, the best way I can kind of like describe this now, which I, I wish that I knew when I was a player and was younger is, you know, in like state and Liberty terms, if I've got like a big project, uh, to give to somebody or, or an initiative I want to get implemented or whatever it is, I'm not just like going out there and, and giving it to the guy I like the most. I'm not just going out there and like not giving it to someone because I don't like them. I'm giving it to the person I trust that's going to get it done. And I wish that, you know, in times I had to play myself in, in into the lineup at Michigan, it's like first first year and and then going into my second year as well, you know, I, I wish I had just gone into the office and as a professional player in Michigan, just said like, Hey, like, what do I got to do to earn your trust? And I think that that's like something that I wish I had the courage and had the maturity to come in. Like there's something in my game right now that either when I'm on the ice or off the ice that I'm doing that, like, you don't have trust in me to put me out there to, on a consistent basis. I want to know what it is. And I also want to make a deal with you that if I get that fixed, you're going to play me. And I wish I had the confidence to go in there and say that I, I didn't. But I think like through doing this now and, and learning, you know, why, why aren't you get, why'd you give this project to him and not me? It's like, I trust that he's going to get it done. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I'm using my gut and sometimes I'm just like using the facts that I have around me, but 
ultimately that's, that's how I feel. And that's why that's going to that guy. And that's, that's why I'm giving him more responsibility. So, so let's flip this. Now you were the player or, you know, the person who works for you and now you're the coach and they're in your shoes. Are you giving them feedback after they're saying, Hey, why? Yeah. Like, like, I don't know how it was for you and Toph and I have talked about this quite a bit. Like, and I, you know, he, he dug into me, you know, a bit like going into the psychology of why I say the things I say probably like a month ago. And he's like, you know, you talk about that a lot. You talk about that a lot. And that was something with me too. Like you just said it from a better perspective. Like I, you wished you went into the coach and said, Hey, tell me exactly, you know, why, why don't you trust me or why am I not in the lineup or what's going on now? There are a lot of coaches that will just literally throw the blanket. No, you're doing, you're doing great. You're doing a lot of things, right? You know, it's a numbers thing. That's bullshit. Tell the kid the truth. You're not helping him and you're not helping yourself as the coach of the team because you're not getting everything you can out of that kid because he's not giving you what you need, but you're not telling him what you need. So it's a two way street players. If you're not playing, go in and ask and ask for concrete things, not why, why am I not playing with blah, 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 and start pointing fingers. It's like, yo, give me a concrete list coach. What are things that I can work on this week in practice right now to make me better so I can help this team win. And then from the flip side, the coach is like, you should also, I think, be thinking that way. Hey, you know, Lee, you're not in the lineup. This is why. Boom, boom, boom. Your stick pressure is up. Every time you hit somebody, they're able to make the pass. You're not picking up the trailer on uh, on the back check, blah, blah, blah. And now you're like, you can write those down, leave that meeting, start watching video, and then focus on those things in practice, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a complete disservice to to the kid and the player. And, and the biggest thing that I'm learning, it's a complete disservice to the organization. And I think that just not having that like radical transparency with your guys is just, it's just, like I said, it's a complete disservice to your team or organization or, or whatever you're leading. And I think that's something that's always kind of bothered me, you know, and I reflect on the leadership that I had growing up. That's, I really like that saying radical transparency. That's like a really, it's not mine. <laughs> I, got, I got i have no original thoughts over here <laughs> that's all right well there's a guy just I take know. smarter people's <laughs> um that I I mean, nothing is really ours we're, we're always stealing from everybody but i really really like that and I, I don't know if i've said this before on the podcast but like we did a thing at the beginning of the year this year with our players where we gave them this sheet it was basically like uh how do how do we best communicate with you i'm just trying to get to know them and it was unbelievable how many of the players said, don't lie to me. Like be straight up with me. Don't lie to me. Don't play games. Just tell me what you think I need to hear. Hey guys, I want to introduce you to a new company called NordVPN that allows you to watch things from all over the world and also has an unbelievable security feature for you too. If you're bored of US Netflix, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. There's no need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN can also bring it right to you. With over 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using our show's link at nordvpn.com slash think tank, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. NordVPN also has unbelievable security features that can help protect you, and they've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
Give it a try. And if you like, great. If not, they'll issue you a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again at nordvpn.com slash think tank to get your subscription started today. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash think tank. I think they were being genuinely honest and saying like, don't, don't screw around with me. Just like, tell me what I want to hear and don't lie to me. And I think that that was like a really remember sitting in the office with the guys and being like, that is, I mean, that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Like that's what players want. They want that radical transparency. They want that feedback. They want just to know where they stand. And, you know, we kind of grew up in a little bit of a, an era where mind games were kind of a thing, I would say. Um, and that, doesn't do anything but like kill a kid's mental health. Like, you know, maybe it'll motivate somebody in the short term for a little bit because they're threatened and they're fearful of their playing time in their career. But long term, like that's not making anybody better. Like the way you make people better is just being upfront and honest with them. And it might not be an easy conversation, but that's okay. Like those, those end up being, you know, I remember like coach Schaefer, who was a tough coach to play for at times, like he'll tell you that like, there's guys that um, will, call him 10 years later and say, I get it now. (laughs) You know, I understand what you, like what you were saying and like, whether it was, you know, now they're a coach or now they're a parent and and they're in a leadership role, or maybe they get a job kind of like you Lee, where you have to lead people and you just kind of see things from a different perspective, but like you have to have, as a leader, you have to have the ability to have tough conversations and honest conversations with people or else you're not developing them at at the end of the day. It's funny though. I mean, there's, there are situations and you guys are talking about the beginning of the year where like, you know, maybe there's a, and this is happening at a ton of programs where there's probably three D men that are all kind of like battling out for that sixth spot. And like, they're all just like, and the coach has kind of made up his mind. They're like, Hey, for the first half of the season, I'm going to rotate all three in and then I'm going to see who plays the best and they're going to take the spot. But like that would never, I feel like be set out of the gate. Cause it's like, not like a, you know, politically correct answer or whatever it may be um, because it's, it's politics. Hey, this guy's a higher recruit than you. And like, I, I just feel like I got to give him a shot. Like, I feel like no coach has ever said that, but it's 100% the truth with like a lot of these things. And you know, this guy's on full scholarship. You're not, I'm going to give him more opportunity. And unfortunately it's his spot to lose, but keep on doing the things that you're doing. And, but like those conversations, I feel like just don't happen when I feel like it's, it's probably the truth. Yeah, I think there, I think that, yeah, that would be, that would be some radical transparency right there. I think, <laughs> right? I think like, it, it's true. I, I, that's a tough one for me in, a, in the college setting. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is true, I guess, depending on who the coach is and what his thoughts are. I think also like when you're telling, talking to guys like honesty, but also like, this is like some steps, like these are things you need to do. If you want this spot. Definitely. It's, it's, you need to be doing this, 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 and this, cause you're not good enough at this right now, you know, and in, you know, in a way that the message gets across when they leave the room, they're ready to work harder for you as a coach, as a program, as a, as, as a university without lying to them, blowing smoke or telling them, Oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. And then you're never going to put them in either, you know, tell them, Hey man, you're the eighth D out of six. Like that's where you're at right now. If you want to be the sixth, out of, uh, you know, you, you need to work on this, 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 and this. And if it, that gets better, then you're going to get closer to being in the lineup right now. You're on the outside. So work harder, work smarter, grab the assistant coach and work on blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something I'm sure like you've probably taken a lot of things from the coaches that you had, the good and the bad, like the things that 
um, you know, coaches said or did to you. And you're like, yeah, I want to implement that with my business as a leader now. And then other things where it's like, I ain't doing that. Like that is not something that I'm going to implement with, with the people that I'm leading now. So like what, what from, you know, you played for Red Berenson and, and you played for John Gardner at, at Avon. Um, what maybe are some things from either those two guys or maybe another coach that you had, whether it was pro or youth that you take with you now as the leader of state Liberty, um, a, a big time clothing company, what, um, like what, what are some leadership lessons that you learned from, from people that you've had? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously this, some legends across the board, right. With, with, with Gardner at Avon and I think he's most winning as prep school hockey coach and, and red, obviously his name kind of speaks for himself. I think that, you know, the experience and, and, um, having a presence and knowing, um, you know, picking your spots as far as like when to be hard, uh, is I think a, an important thing. Um, I think you take a lot, I've taken a lot more uh, of, of what I don't want out of a leader, I would say from, from the coaches I had, um, growing up, not, not just like, you know, just across the board here at all, at all levels. Um, and quite frankly, I think that one thing that's, I think is just not right is, um, and I, th- I bet you there's more resources now is that like being a leader is like, holy shit, like you got to teach yourself and you got to practice like this shit just does not come naturally for anybody. Um, and you know, captain at Michigan whatever it is, like I, I wasn't prepared to be, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have the resources to effectively do that job. Um, and like, I wish I can go back and do it again, especially, you know, so if you know, the, the, you know, playoff record, like our, my, my senior year was the, the first team to not make the NCAA tournament in 25 years. So like we, we floundered as, as leaders of that team um, and wish I can go back and know what I know now, but you know, I've just read so much and listened to so much um, and there's just, you know, whether it's the transparency or, or something that I take very seriously at our company and organization is like no negativity. Like I, you just don't need it. We have enough negativity that comes to us on a daily basis. Shit goes wrong all the times, pissed off customers, uh, employee issues. We don't need any additional negativity. Um, and I think that's like an important thing, you know, with organizations and teams. And um, I wish I had the courage to stand up to some kids that were on our team, my senior year, that just like, we're not healthy uh, to be around and not healthy to have on the team. And I wish I had the courage to, to sit them down and say, dude, this is either going to change and you're gone. Um, and I've just learned so much through, you know, reading and listening and learning and going through this state and liberty experience than I ever kind of had, uh, you know, going through and, and, and playing hockey. Oh, I want to dive in a little bit to, to what you were talking about with courage, um, because I think that that is something a lot of us and I'll throw myself in there too, as, as leaders sometimes wish we had more of. And, and I think a lot of the time it's just a fear that like, we don't want to make mistakes or we don't want to rock the boat or we don't, it's a fear of something, right. Not being liked, whatever it may be. And so, you know, you you talk about maybe not having the courage to, to maybe stand up to some people, um, when you were a little bit younger, what was it, do you think that helped you to develop that kind of 
trait. And then I think it's an unbelievable trait to have as a leader, you know, to put yourself out there and have the courage to maybe do something a little bit uncomfortable that might rock the boat, but for the long-term health of the company would be a lot better. You know, where did you feel like you developed that to, you know, State Liberty is an unbelievable company. I mean, 19 stores now, uh, where I think you said over 170 employees, like this is big time stuff, like uh, that, that and big time people that you're needing to lead. Where, where did that courage come from? How did you feel like you developed that? And it's, I'm sure it's still ongoing. Well, I don't, yeah, it's definitely ongoing. I don't even know if it's developed. I think I'm fortunate to be in the position I am. I, I don't really know how I would be as a leader if like I was working for myself, you know, <laughs> and would like go into my, and like kick down my door and, and say, hey man, I think you're, I think you're, you know, going the wrong direction here. I think you're thinking about this the wrong way. Um, so I think I'm, I don't want to like make it seem like I'm, you know, Mr. Leadership, Mr. Courage over here. I'm lucky to be in a situation where, you know, people are looking up to me and I got, I got to make some calls um, you know, on behalf of the team and the organization. Um, but I, I think it all, it comes from having the confidence of a making an unpopular decision an unpopular move and, and like having the strength to be like, I, I deep down think that this is the best for the organization and the people in it. Um, and you know, whether that's terminating a really popular, uh, employee at the company, which we've absolutely done. And people have been like, what the hell is going on here? Um, you know, these things have to be done and, and you kind of rationalize it as like, you know, I now have a responsibility to 170 people, um, to, to try and put this company in, in the best light and, and move it in the right direction so that all of them can continue to have a livelihood at this business and continue to kind of grow their career and their future at the company. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, if I wasn't in this position, if I would have, you know, developed the courage that I have to to make these unpopular decisions or whatever it may be. But yeah, I think just, you know, being comfortable with that and um, and confident in yourself and, and being secure with yourself that you don't really give a shit what other people think of you. Um, you know, you're making the move that you think is best for for the people around you and yourself. I love that, man. Like the, the ability to like figure out how to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations, I think is such a valuable skill to have in any walk of life. Forget about being a leader, but I think every day we're presented with situations that are going to be uncomfortable and we have to make a choice on which way to go. And a lot of times if you're, you know, grasping at at greatness, if you're grasping at doing something pretty special, a lot of times it's going the uncomfortable way and making the uncomfortable choice is the one that's going to help you to develop and grow and and become greater at what you're trying to do. And so I just think that that's really, really valuable for, for all of the kids with a dream um, because I mean, you look at it, like what are some uncomfortable situations that you might have to make as a kid? You know, you might not go to that party where, you know, there's some stupid stuff going on. Um, you, you might wake up at 6am and, and go do an extra workout or an extra ice session. It's uncomfortable waking up at, at six or five forty-five or whatever it may be, but having the ability to, to really condition yourself to be okay in uncomfortable situations, I think is, is like just such a massively valuable tool for anybody to have. No, definitely. And I think when I, I think back at that, my senior year too, we, a culture kind of developed of like, of, uh, you know, like calling people tryhards, And like, oh, I think that's like such an important thing for kids <clears throat> that are playing growing up. That's like, yeah, it's just like that, that culture is just so toxic, so brutal. Um, you know, chirping, chirping the guy that's riding the bike for 45 minutes after like a bag session. Um, and like that, that happened under my watch essentially. 
And I think that's like something that, you know, whatever it's, it's kids that are listening to this, it's like, yeah, good. Like the same guy that's calling you a try hard is the same guy that can't catch a break. And it's, I think that's just like a, a confidence <laughs> within yourself that, um, you know, you're, you're doing the right things and, and being secure in yourself and you just don't give a shit what other people think. Dude. I, I remember when I first turned pro I signed with, uh, the Bruins out of Western, not a big deal. And, uh, Matt Hunwick. University of Michigan player who I'd played against my whole college career, one of the toughest the college hockey players I, I ever played against. Guys, absolutely nails. Uh, uh, like our our first week, two weekends were like road trips, and you know we'd get into a place and he'd grab his gym gear, he'd go down to the hotel gym while other guys are going out boozing, and like he'd be going there, and like I was just going to dinner with the guys. Like I, you know, that would usually be me as well. Like, you know, I was new, so I was just like, dude, I don't know, am I allowed to do that? I don't know what's going on. Guys would be kind of chirping him, like they loved him and they did respect him, but they'd also be chirping him. And I was like, you guys chirping him, like that guy's gonna be in the NHL. And you know, a year later he's in the NHL. He never looks back for the most part, you know. And it's just, dude, it's that's like my life mission is to like not allow kids to ever have that mindset to ever think it's not cool to try, it's not cool to care. Yes. You know, like I apt, I, uh, cause I used to get chirped by the boys too. They respected me because like, yeah, I was kind of a bender and I was able to like keep going up in levels only because I was a tryhard and they knew that I think, but like, dude, that is like my, oh man. And, and any environment where it's like not cool to try, I'm like, dude, I don't even want to be around you it's, people. I don't want to know so you. Bad. I don't want to be associated with you. I want nothing to do with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> and that was part of that, like, uh, that Porter Narado crew uh, that I looked up to heavily as a kid or yeah, as a, as a kid and then going to Michigan and now we're, now we're good buddies. He's yeah. He's, he's a guy who's just very confident in himself. He's always kind of beat to his own drum. Um, he's just an absolute stud. Did you know we'll that he was this. my first fight? Matt Hunt? No way. Yeah. I wouldn't was, want to fight. Hunt. Wow. I mean, what it was, you, kind of, you okay. It was, a, it was a Bantam fight. So like, let's take it with uh, a little okay. bit of a grain All of salt, right. but it was a four on four brawl. It was CYA versus honey baked. And there were like uh, the parents. Video. Yeah. There were like parents in the stands chucking them. Like again, youth hockey, here you go. Right. <laughs> and uh, him and I just got like paired up together and I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> and it was one of those like gloves on kind of like tackle yeah. wrestled kind of things, but it was like, it was a brawl. It was kind of a fight. Okay. Obviously he's become who he's become and tough as nails and all that kind of stuff and had a great career in the NHL. And, uh, just me, little five foot, probably two at the time guy going, uh, going toe to toe with Matt Hunwick. Not a big deal. <laughs> and, and- credit to huds too like he he had to grind it up we were we were roommates together he's on an nhl deal uh we were roommates in cleveland together in the american league uh and he just did a great job grinding out what 12 13 year career it's unbelievable Unreal. Unreal. like a you know ne- never truly like secure in a lineup and just made it work and yeah uh, just a hard worker and a great guy and now he's working in the nhl too so oh, is he? development yep. yeah, yeah. that's i mean could totally see that. He he was a guy I looked up to when I first signed for sure. Like really, really respected the way he handled himself as a as a teammate, as a player, as a professional. Like he was like the guy that I was like, okay, like that's who I am gonna model myself after up here. Yeah, he's awesome. Good All right, stuff. we gotta stop piping huds. 
Yeah. <laughs> we got we yeah. to move on from that. Yeah, I'm way more. If you ever hear this for any reason, Hunwick, uh, I am way more jacked than you, though. So, you know, I got that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, bro, it's not even close. Oh, God. Here's the humble brag jar. 20, 20 bucks in the humble brag jar, Max. <laughs> bucks, I'll take it. Guy. Um, well, like, uh, the last thing I want to talk to you about, Lee, is I want to talk to you about State and Liberty, which is a company you founded. Um, and it's a clothing apparel company that's become, especially even in the hockey world, become a really, really big deal. I, I, I still remember when uh, all the boys at the World Juniors were wearing the State Liberty suits. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but t- talk a little bit about what that experience was like being an entrepreneur, starting a company at a young age. And just like all the trials and tribulations that go with it, because again, it's one of those things that it's what you do when nobody's looking, that's going to make you the person that you want to be. And, and Vex and I, as entrepreneurs starting companies up in the hockey world, like it ain't a glamorous lifestyle starting something up. So uh, talk a little bit about what that process was like. And then also like how much of your, let's call it training in hockey and the life lessons that you learned in hockey helped you to become uh, a successful entrepreneur and business owner? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a whirlwind, I think, uh, seven years, I think now, or eight, eight years around there. Um, obviously I never thought that the company would ever get to, to where it is today. Um, you know, but then you're there and you, and you want more and, and you want to be better. Um, we've been extremely fortunate to have uh, like the hockey family and the Michigan family. I don't think that it was like be possible to get the business started the way that we did, which like we completely bootstrapped it with no money um, to like get it to where it is today without those two, you know, massive kind of communities and, and family supporting in the early days, just absolutely not possible. But, you know, it's funny you said like uh, what's going on behind the scenes. It would be really easy for me to, uh, you know, have an Instagram where I'm showing store openings with the store, you know, looking good and, and people in there buying stuff and, you know, uh, you know, seeing some of like the more glamorous stuff, but man, it is a complete shit show behind the scenes. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's hard work. You don't know what's going to come at you every day. You, you look at your phone in the morning and you're just like, what, what is coming at me today? And, and uh, you're, you're ready for anything. You, you build an unbelievable tolerance and like thickness and uh, thick skin, I should say, for, I don't, I don't, I don't really, not a really believer in stress, but in just like what you can handle on a day-to-day basis and like, what's a, what's a true problem. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a hell of a ride. Um, and one of those things where it feels like, you know, from the outside looking in, it, it things can't be going better. And, and I just look at our organization and myself and it's just like, we have to get better in so many areas. Um, and you know, we're looking forward to that challenge on a daily basis. You're paused. Crap, I was on mute. Sorry, Steph. You have to edit that one. <laughs> um, Give him the finger. <laughs> um, I have a question about that. Like, you know, as as somebody who's leading the company, how much do you focus on macro stuff versus how much do you focus on micro stuff? Because as a leader, as as the person with the vision for the company, you know, you 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 are responsible for growth and and you know the big picture, but also as a leader, especially for a company like yours, like I have to imagine that shit just pops up every single day that you have to deal with. Just like you have to almost like dedicate a certain amount of time a day to just things you didn't know were going to happen that day, but you're going to have to deal with. Right. And so like how much of your time as a leader is 
big picture macro stuff and how much of it is kind of like day-to-day operations, figure it out as we go, micro kind of stuff that just needs to get done today? I think when I chat with people that have like kind of done what we're doing in, in, in a similar path or have kind of done this, I think that they say that I probably spend too too much on the micro and on the day-to-day and in the weeds. Uh, I can't help myself, I would say, from like wanting to be there. I think it's definitely part of our kind of like core values of uh, we're just going to be the guys that when you go to a store and, and you see that the bathroom's dirty, like I'm going to get on my hands and knees. I'm going to clean the bathroom. Uh, that's just like the type of leaders that we want to breed here and the type of company that we want to build. Um, it, it's a work in progress. I think we've been really fortunate that uh, in a lot of ways, like the growth has just happened. Um, you know, it, we look at the sales numbers, we, we can't believe, you know, what they are. Um, so I, I think it's it's been trying to like play catch up and figure out how to like handle the growth uh, when it's been like kind of happening naturally. Um, so I, I would say I'm trying to do a better job of, trying to get out of the weeds and give people more responsibility on the leadership side um, to step in and, and handle those things to, to focus on, you know, bigger picture growth type stuff. But like I said, when the growth is kind of happening naturally, um, you, I just find myself in the weeds a little bit more. And I think that through this whole experience, I've just really uh, understood the value of team morale and uh, employees being bought in and excited to show up to work every day and I think that's like a big part of my job that I never thought would be going into this. And I didn't think it would be such a challenge, but you're dealing with, like you said, 170 people. They all have things going on outside of work. They're all not having the best day. They're all going through life issues um, and getting those people bought in and excited to show up on a daily basis is one of my top priorities because uh, a lot of them are customer facing. And I know that if, if they're bringing their best and they're excited to come to work and they're proud to be at the business, it's only going to be better for the business at large. Um, so I'm, I'm spending a lot of my time doing that. And yeah, and I, I like being in the know of product issue, customer issues, and, and you know all the stuff that's going on. So trying to do a better job of, of staying out of the weeds in the day to day, but uh, naturally kind of be getting pulled in there. And we definitely mess around like you were saying. It's like, a, it feels like every day, it's like a joke now in the office. It's like, oh, this day is not going as planned. Like literally every, every day, every day that gets said, it's like just become a thing now that we just kind of mess around with. <laughs> That's funny. Vex, how about you? You're similar situation. You know, you're kind of doing your own thing and you don't have a, a huge team under you like Lee does, but what's kind of your daily process like in terms of wanting to grow big picture versus the details of, of the day? Oh man, that's like so tough. For me, it's one is execute everything I have to today. Because for me, there is no tomorrow, like, you know, years, two years, three years down the road. If I'm not executing on being my best today, I won't grow if I don't continue to execute day in and day out. So it's executing on those things and then just thinking like what makes the most sense for my customers and how can I, how can I personally like make their experience better um, from the online standpoint with the online clients, like obviously in person is the best with being a you know strength coach and working with athletes, but okay. Like I'm trying to do something different. I'm online. I'm trying to give the lowest price point possible for the most possible bang for your buck benefit. So how can I constantly make the experience better? How can I get them to buy in more? Because I know that's going to get them better results. So I kind of think more along the lines of like, what processes can I put in place 
And then also efficiency. Like how can I be more efficient in what I'm doing? Because, you know, it's really easy to like be busy, but not be busy. You know, I was reading something from, you know, somebody who's probably a billionaire or something today and just talking about like, get efficient, get efficient, get efficient, like work on your, I was Andy Frazella. And I, I don't know if you follow him, Lee, but you'd really like what he talks about and how I'm, I'm a first form athlete and dude, their company, like core values, like everything you're talking about, man, they absolutely slay it. They're here in St. Louis. And so I'm a big fan of theirs, obviously. Um, and, and it's, it's really cool because just all the people that are successful and like grow to like, you know, be able to create things out of nothing like, like you have. And like, you know, first form has you, you guys all say the same things, but that brings me to a question that I had, like, how much are you investing into your own personal leadership, business coaching, leadership coaching? Are, are you doing any of that? Are you are you more like self-studying or how, how do you do that? Um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of, a lot of self-studying and a lot of reading and, and listening um, it's nice when I'll like do a leadership chat with, with the team, like, you know, once a quarter or something like that. And that like the month leading up to that, I'll get pretty obsessed with it. And, um, and doing that, we had all 19 of our store managers in Ann Arbor about a month ago, we did like a retreat. Um, and I got absolutely obsessed with like Dwight Eisenhower during that time. Um, you know, just like general of world war two and just unbelievable underrated leader. Um, and yeah, a lot of it's just kind of been listening and uh, just making mistakes and, and reflecting on it and, you know, trying the soft approach, trying the hard approach and uh, seeing what works and seeing what doesn't, but um, ongoing process and, and never going to be, never going to get there, but not going to stop trying to get better at it because I, I just think it's, I underestimated the challenge and the importance of it um, when, when doing this. And, you know, I would have thought, three years ago, like I'm not writing core values for the company. That's just not the type of guy that I am. Like that's, there's no way. And then it's like two years later, it's something I'm obsessed with. And I think it's just like such a critical part to our culture and our team here. So it's just, uh, it's interesting just kind of like growing and learning and, and figuring out what you got to do to try and make this thing work. Well, something I noticed, man, going into businesses lately, this is really tough. Uh, like, and this is younger people that are working in these businesses primarily, but also older, like they're not upholding what I'm assuming the, the business's core values are. And it just reflects on my choice as a consumer of where I shop, like the businesses yeah. where they really focus on, like, keep the store clean. When a new customer walks in, like look them in the eye, greet them, you know, talk to them, help them, blah, blah, blah. Like, like it's a service. You know, I'm choosing where to spend my money. And in today's world where, you know, the cost of eggs is $18 right now or whatever it is, you know, like, like your customers matter and, and they're going to, they're going to be more specific with where they choose to spend their money. And when I go into any type of place where I'm spending money and they don't look up, they don't say hi, like right away, I'm like, if I can go to a competitor that's doing a better job and treats me better as a consumer, I'm going to spend my money there. And I think that companies that have core values and leadership and, you know, like you said, manager meetings, and this is what we expect. I just think it's so important for businesses to thrive and I love looking at that stuff and dissecting it and, and pulling it apart as I'm a consumer, as I, you know, work with businesses, uh, you know, as an affiliate or whatever. And I notice these things because like, it just brings me back to like teams and hockey 
you know, bringing it full circle. And I'm just like, dude, the teams that I was on were good. Everyone did what they were supposed to. Everyone knew what they were supposed to do. They knew how to execute. And then it was up to them to execute or else they were gone. And a a well-functioning business is the same thing as a team, which again goes back to so many reasons why I like hockey, learning the leadership, learning how to be a follower, learning how to take ownership and like all these things. And when I just see all these patterns from my hockey career now in the business world and who's succeeding and who's not. No, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's just so many less. I like what you said too. Like when you're talking about your business, like just being customer obsessed, especially in the early days is so important. And, um, it's, it's hard when you get to a, a bigger scale, you just, you can't please everybody. Those are like the tough ones to swallow. Um, and, and we certainly deal with that on a daily basis, but we're still trying to do whatever we can and go above and beyond. And it's tough, right? Cause like we have these core values. I think we have great people, you know, we still have people that go into our stores, don't have a great experience. And, you know, though that hurts and we try to get to the bottom of it and figure out what's going on. The thing I do like about our team is that these bad experiences that we hear about in a store always comes from somebody that was like, hey, I went into your X store, unbelievable experience in this store that I went into just did not live up to that. Um, so there is like a nice accountability factor that, that I like with our team. And, you know, we send out an email to anybody who comes in store right away. Hey, did, did A, B, C and D happen when you walked in the store? And if it didn't, you let us know because we want to take care of it and we uphold the standard here and uh, the amount of feedback we get from customers, positive and negative, negative on that's been, been outstanding. That's, that's really awesome cool. too. Like learning, learning from your quote unquote failures. Again, another lesson from hockey, you know, and I, and I was talking about this on my Instagram and I had so many messages the other day at Jeff Lavecchia, blue track mark. What's up. And, uh, you know, just talking about, it's not a failure. If you learn from it, you watch the tape, you, you immediately go, okay, I could have done this. You replay it in your mind. You see yourself doing it the right way. And then in practice all week long, you focus on that thing. Same thing here in business customer tells you that a b and c didn't happen all right guys like let's start hammering down a b and c or why didn't we do a b and c what happened you start to break it down break down the film watch the guy in the sky whatever you know is busy doing whatever like it's 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 all like it all comes back to like all the details we learned in hockey which is why tof and i freaking love it yeah no absolutely well, that's awesome stuff, Lee. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I want to make sure we we uh, get where you can find State and Liberty stuff, website, uh, in 19 different stores, maybe a couple of the bigger cities that, that you guys are in because we have an audience all over the place in the U.S. and in Canada and, and all over. And, and so uh, if you can, just tell us where we can find your stuff and uh, because it's, it's, it's great stuff. And obviously being able to get the chance to talk to you, it's a company that does things the right way and um, something Try, that we're trying to, yeah. trying to do it the right way. Yeah, <laughs> um, so if you can just tell us where to find state and Liberty and, uh, and where we can get your stuff. Yeah. Easiest way state and Liberty.com uh, and is spelled out. Uh, oof, trying to think of stores here in, in good hockey areas, you know, Boston, Westport, Connecticut, a uh, couple in New York city, Chicago, um, you know, really kind of, kind of all over in the, in the major cities, uh, Birmingham, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, uh, yeah, you know, we'd love for love people to check us out. Um, tell if maybe if there's like notes or something like that, we can put a discount code in the bottom of it and we can get it going on the site after this, um, and, and kind of make that happen. For sure. Absolutely. Guys, yeah. guys out there, have you never worn one of these shirts? Yeah. Butter, straight butter. All right. I'm jacked. I hate dress clothes. I 
absolutely. I feel like I'm in a glass case of emotion when I wear a dress shirt. I can't move. I'm not comfortable. Awful. Not the case with these shirts. Not the, do you guys have your suits out now too? Like I don't suits wear suits. Dude, I don't wear suits anymore. Obviously, everybody knows what Lululemon is. Think if Lululemon made a stretchy, sexy suit that fits well, like State and Liberty. Like, I'm not kidding. I don't I don't say things I don't mean. Uh, I had to go to a wedding or something a while ago where I was forced to wear a suit. And uh, and I and I was like, uh, I got a State and Liberty shirt from one of my one of my NHL guys. And dude, I was just like I was moving and grooving. I didn't have to tear my tarp off because it fit, it like moved with me. I did tear my tarp off. I was going to say, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Hold on a I second. I said I didn't You're have full to. full of shit. There's no I, way you went to a wedding and the shirt didn't come off. I didn't have to peel my tarp off. It actually moved with my sick dance moves, but I did. <laughs> peel it off. I made sure to unbutton it nicely because it wasn't my state and Liberty shirt. It was one of my guys. But yeah, I'm not <laughs> kidding. Like if you're a hockey player, a love supporting hockey run uh, businesses and then B it'll move with you. And so if you got big quads and you know, big glutes, cause you're a hockey player, you're going to like the way these fit on you. Seriously. There it is. That's the good sales pitch right there. We got to get you to a store. Hire him. Well, I do. We I do some male modeling in my side yeah. uh, gigs. Just so you know, if you're looking for a hottie, toothless guy, well, get, you, get you hooked up <laughs> our, with, our, with our marketing team here. Jeffrey's Andrew Lavecchio. <laughs> Can't turn left though. Um, all right. Lee, well, thanks so much. Yeah. We'll put something down in the show notes, but appreciate it, man. This was an awesome talk on, on leadership and awesome talk on hockey and stuff. And, uh, I think a lot of people can take something out of this one that they'll be able to use in their day or week or month coming up. And so thanks for coming on, man. This was great. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me.